Hey guys, I'm Garrett. And I'm Jason, and welcome to the Small Town Pilgrims Podcast. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So, get ready for the truth. Hey guys, it is episode 21 of Small Town Pilgrims. My name is Jason. And my name is Garrett. And guess what? It's about to get live up in here because it's time for Reformed Life Part 3. So, Garrett, how's your week been? Pretty good. Pretty busy. Pretty busy. Yep. Um, Me too. Got my COVID test yesterday. (laughs) That's That's the one test I wanted to fail, and I did. Yeah. I got a negative. Um, but yeah, uh, as the, as that, uh, Q-tip was touching the f- middle of my brain, I started, uh, almost blacking out, but then I brought myself back to the nurse lady said, you all right? I said, so you had to get the long ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, they do ra- on rapid tests. They got to get up in there. Well, for the rapid test on us, they didn't. It wasn't a good one then. Don't count on it. <laughs> Don't trust it. Right. Yeah, she uh she took that old dry Q tip and shoved it up in there. It she wasn't no corn good, good hit on the end. <laughs> no, it wasn't no corn in there, I tell you that. <laughs> wouldn't that be something she pulls out a corn? Well corn kernel on there. <laughs> you're corn positive. You ain't COVID positive, but you're corn positive. <laughs> yeah. One day. Some of these people listening to this podcast might hang out with us and understand what's happening when we talk about that. Um, but yeah, other than that, week's been interesting. Uh, it's a, a busy time at school because we just switched to from hybrid, having half the kids one day, half the kids the next to having all of them every day except Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, they get to stay home. I don't. They do. Um, but yeah, and also, uh, old Tater Tot Reeves, our governor here in Mississippi, uh, the mask mandate ends tomorrow, so we'll be going maskless. Nice, so that's a good thing, but yep. Um, so last episode, we talked about the turning points, um, and this episode. We're going to dig in deeper to some of these, um, I don't know, sex, religions, uh, errors, movements that I've been in throughout my uh, different uh, church life before I came to a reformed knowledge of Christ. Um, And as you know from hearing me, I've been through some. Yeah, you've been through the gambit there. Yeah, I mean, there ain't many that I ain't been in, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, so. And hopefully, you know, after hearing this, and if somebody can relate, mm-hmm. contact us. Yes. Yeah, we would love to. I would love you to talk with anybody. Questions. Yeah, I would love to, to help anybody who has questions or, uh, I mean, and honestly, some of these movements that that I've been in, 
you almost in your heart think, how do I even get out of this, this movement, this, the way things are, you know, it's, it can be very difficult, you know, when you start thinking a certain way and then you begin to realize this is wrong and you're like, well, how in the world do I even get out of this? You know, um, you almost become, you know, kind of stuck in it, you know, like, you know, but there is a way out and, you know, we know it's Christ and scripture and the, the, uh, the indwelling spirit that's, that's convicting you and showing you the teaching you the proper ways. But I wanted to get into, I thought it'd be interesting for us to get into some of these movements. Yeah. And you don't have to get your feelings hurt before you have to leave. That's right. Just leave. (laughs) Are we sponsored by Sprite? New sponsor. Yeah. (laughs) But so let's dig in. What do you know about the house church movement? The house church movement. Yes. Just going to church at home. It's a, it's a very big movement, uh, especially in California. Um, where my first encounter with church was a house church in California. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not like house church today. House church today is what you said. Um, just, I ain't going to church. I can have church all by myself here at the house, you know? And then he goes and pops popcorn, sits down and watch the NFL. He don't go to church at home either, but you trying to act like Jesse or something. (laughs) No. Hey, Hey, (laughs) I got a question. What about these house churches? Um, but no, it's like literally um, spend the night at a friend's house, right? Um, on a Saturday night, get up really early that next morning, getting ready for church. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing we know, people start come, getting to their house and they bring in chairs and they set up rows in their living room. In the front, the band comes and they play and the preacher preaches right there. And it's like, literally, it's at their house this week and next week it'll be at the next guy's house. Yeah, Your first time and you saw everybody coming in was like, I don't think we can fit all these people in one car. I don't think they they got enough room in here. (laughs) What are we doing with all these chairs? But, um. Was it a BYOC? Bring your own chair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was but it was strange, you know. Uh it, it was chaotic for one thing. That's one thing I, I definitely remember not understanding what was happening. Um it was very charismatic, you know. Um so at the end the preacher asked, um, if anybody doesn't know Jesus, and of course I raised my hand because it was my first encounter with church. And Guy brings me into the kitchen. The kitchen table sits down with me, opens the Bible, and starts explaining these things to me. I couldn't tell you a thing he said. I know he was sincere. I mean, he I think he tried. But, you know, it's it wasn't it wasn't focused on I know it wasn't focused on repentance and trust in the gospel. I was six years old and there was no nothing about repentance. I would have probably remembered that word. But no, there was nothing about repentance and, and trust in the gospel. Yeah. So that was my first experience with church. 
and uh it was you know i'm sure that there is time for the house church you know transitional periods you're trying to build it build a church plant maybe there's times for a house church you know if you want to do fellowships at homes you know we've done that ourselves yeah. but i just don't think it's it's easy for a local body to operate going house to house and have right. accountability and governance and and you know solid foundations yeah like you said you know as a temporary kind of thing yeah but there needs to be a dedicated church plan. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely true. And I don't know that, I don't know that they weren't trying to get there, right. but it didn't seem like it. There was a lot of, I mean, there was a good many people there. I mean, it was several rows of people yeah. and it was, it's a big movement in California at that time in the eighties. Of course, you know, in China, that's the way they have to have church because they have it in one of the church buildings it's the government can bust in any time tell them this that and the other you know so the house church movement is kind of big in china because they don't have a choice you know most most americans have a choice you know we can find a way yeah, you to can have a building a better in a in a house over there yeah that's true so then we move to mississippi and we find a little baptist church um solid you know decent yeah you know um a little small church um so i went there then we went left that church after getting hurt we went a little while and then we decided to go to revelations holiness church now let's talk about holiness now, were they uh, were they handling snakes? No snakes were handled in this time. Scorpions? No. Yeah. Um, outhouses, <laughs> uh, community drinking buckets, uh, air conditionerless buildings. Um, and I'll say this too: um, no solid Bible teaching whatsoever. Um, it was all about the cliche about the getting the shout kind of thing, you know, as far as the word, but this church had three pastors. I've talked a little bit about it. This church had three pastors. Um, <clears throat> one was a, a woman, older lady. Another one was a guy who was kind of in charge of the Sunday school time. And then there was another guy who was the main pastor, brother Don. And our services consisted of, we get there early enough for Sunday school Kids had their Sunday school. The adults had their Sunday school. You never knew who was teaching the Sunday school there because it switched so much because people were in and out. People would get upset and all this other stuff. It's crazy. <sighs> but well, you, I guess when you go into a church that's based on emotions, those are already kind of high. And, yeah, you get emotional reactions. <laughs> yeah. I'd see why somebody would get upset quick. Yeah, and you know, and two, I think it's it's a lot of self-centeredness mm -hmm. in, in the emotional church movement and that holiness style, the Pentecostal charismatic movement. You see a lot of self-centeredness and selfishness, how I feel about things, you know. <clears throat> but the church, the, the, the service 
consisted of that Sunday morning Sunday school, but then when church started, um, it's time for music. Well, we would have corporate songs that anybody was invited to come up on the stage and sing in the choir. So you'd have, look. Oh, man, that's the worst choice. And you ain't got, look, you ain't got much room up there. You got Billy Joe, he's playing the guitar. You got Bug playing the bass. And sometimes you had somebody playing the piano. Sometimes you didn't. At that time, there there wasn't no drummer. But, Was man, they get, I just picture bluegrass. It, well, it's southern, very southern gospel-y. <laughs> So you get up there and everybody who wanted to sing would come up. There'd be kids, people, there'd be about 30 people up there and there'd be about 10 people out there in the audience. So you all stand up there and then guess what comes next? What y'all want to sing? I sing, uh, I fly away. All right. Then here we go singing, I'll fly away. And we get in with that. What y'all sing next? Uh, just a little talk with Jesus. All right, sounds good. Sing that one. Even if somebody's done it already. What y'all want to sing next? Uh, so about three or four of those songs. Then the corporate singing was done. So did y'all have then, a hymnal? Uh, they they used the hymnal just for the words. It was played, you know, everything was played like in a G, you know, kind of, you know, very Southern, you know, the G, D, C, you know, every once in a while. There wasn't no minors now. Don't you throw in no minors. That's devil chord, right? Devil (laughs) chord. But no, uh, but, you know, it was just generic kind of playing, Southern playing, but they, they used the hymnal just for the words. That's the ones who could read. Right. (laughs) But anyway, so the corporate singing was done. Everybody sits down. Guess what? Then you hear the words that I will never utter from our pulpit in our church. Anybody got a song they want to sing? Instantly, five purses start rattling, and you hear cassette tapes banging into each other. Oh, man. Because they have brought their tapes. My mom, my mom had a case that she brought with her. <laughs> Look, and she's been there. I, I got one, brother Don. All right, we'll come up and sing it. Five songs later. Okay, we've just had four or five songs. Now we got five more specials. And everyone began with this saying. Y'all pray for me. I've been sick. And pray I can get through this song, all right? <laughs> like, no, you just can't sing. <laughs> Y'all ain't been sick, okay? You ain't been sick. I got the COVID. Y'all ain't never been through COVID. COVID didn't exist. <laughs> Look, you ain't been sick. You just don't know if you can sing a song because you ain't practiced this one. And you want an excuse if your voice cracks. Yeah. So we're going to pray for you, all right? Pray for God to deliver you from that lying spirit. But uh, so all they would sing it. So yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, um, so they'd they'd sing their five six songs. Well, by this time it was time for the musicians to go outside and smoke a cigarette. 
So they go out, smoke their cigarette, they come back in. Well, anyway, <laughs> so then uh, Brother Don gets up, and there's no Bible teaching. He t- he's got he's got just a few verses that he's memorized and got down. And I remember almost every sermon, him talking about standing on the word of God. And he said, the word of God don't change no matter what you do to it. He'd close his Bible, put it on the ground. Then he'd stand on one foot and preach some more. And not what that meant. Cliches, cliches, cliches. I mean, constant, like, you know, if you guys are aware or familiar with like holiness preaching, IFB preaching, all these preachers, what they do is they string together a bunch of cliches that will get them applause or get the people riled up, and they never solidly talk about the scriptures themselves. Amen. For one thing, they don't know them. They don't learn them. Right. It just needs to apply to something that they can grab onto and make it sound cool. Well, so, it probably wore out after all them songs. You better believe it. Um, so so then he's done, right? Well, it's time for the altar call. So guess who? Time for the musicians to come back up. Time to get to playing. And they start singing their songs. Well, then it, it turns wild, okay? People yeah. falling out in the spirit. People dance around, shouting to the top of their lungs, screaming bloody murder. Uh, fi- light fixtures getting knocked off the ceiling, hitting preacher's wives in the head till they bleed. It gets quiet. They tell, they say these things that they're prophesying or whatever, then back to it. And this would go on for, I mean, hours, especially the night services. The night services were the, sa- the same, except there was no Sunday school. Right. So there was times on Sunday night, I wouldn't, we'd get there at six. There's times on Sunday nights, I wouldn't get home until 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Right. Yeah. The night, there's something about the, the night church. Night church. There's just something about it to get people ready to go. Yeah. Especially in the holiness movement, man. Yeah. <laughs> they get crunk. <laughs> Serious crunk. Don't talk about when you have a guest speaker come in. Oh Lord. You better not have no guest speakers now. You have a guest speaker. You better better bring in bring you breakfast for the next morning because you're gonna be there. Um, <laughs> but what what strikes me the most, and of course, you know, I've told you all the story about the the third pastor lady who would come up during the altar call and she would just start preaching with her eyes closed, no mic, never never heard a word heard her say a word. I don't know what she was saying. <laughs> There's no telling. <clears throat> but I remember. No Bible back, backing, no true understanding of what was being taught. I learned more during that time of my life laying on my mom's waterbed, reading a King James Version Bible. I learned more about God that way than going to those church services. Right. Because holiness is based on one thing, not holiness, not living a holy life, on the shout, on the ec- ecstatic uh, life. The more you shout, the more godly you are, right? Right. And then you go home and you treat your kids like junk and beat, you know, your, wife. beat your wife. Exactly. And there's no, you know, there's no solid backing. So how are you going to have a solid life without a solid biblical backing? You can't. Exactly. So after we left that, we 
Vis, you know, odd visiting, not not much visiting. Uh, then we went to. That's uh, when I went to the Assemblies of God. Um, the Assemblies of God uh, have some positive things going for them. Mm-hmm. Good organization, I think, is one of them. They do have a good organization. They do try to be in order as far as keeping the services under control. You know, not getting too crazy, but. One thing that I that always bothered me about the Assemblies of God is one legalism, a lot of legalism. It was being in the Assemblies of God was the first time I ever heard that even if you said you were saved, if you said a cuss word as you were dying in a car wreck, you were going to hell. Right. That's where a sin would send you to hell. You know, even if you were saved, a sin would send you to hell that is a way of living legalistically that will damn a lot of people. Yeah. And it did probably, you know, because they didn't want to join, they didn't want to join up with that kind of church, you know? Um, also, um, the emphasis on you must speak in tongues as the evidence of the baptism of the Holy spirit. Um, that we know that the fruit of the spirit is, is different than that. Um, tongues was used in a certain time period for a certain purpose. We could get into that in a, maybe another episode, but you know, that emphasis also makes people feel like they don't have a relationship with God if they don't speak in tongues like everybody else. But yeah. And, and the whole tongue thing, that can be a whole nother podcast episode. Itself. Definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. You better leave it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I do thank God that I did get some Bible teaching a little bit there. That was good. Um, I left there and I went to the best church I've ever been to is Baptist church. Um, Baby Baptist, um, Brother Tommy Whaley taught the Bible, man. He taught the Bible. Uh, Scott Carter, my youth pastor, he was awesome. No, I didn't tell you this. Loved us. But I've been there. And I didn't go to church there. Yeah. There was, there was a wedding and I was like, they told us the address and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. What, what is big B? Yeah. What's a big B? <laughs> it's a big bumblebee. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's all down in a hole. Oh yeah. They had and, to, they, they're not able to have church there anymore. They had to move. They got a yeah. new building because they, uh, they kept flooding. Really? Like that bottom, that bottom level would flood. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, uh, and them ceilings ain't tall either. No, they're really low, <laughs> but man, the Bible teaching I got there was so invaluable. Um, one thing he taught me for sure was the perseverance of the saints that when Christ has us, he will not let us go. He, we are his forever. And that was something that was very important. I left there, went to another assembly of God church. Once again, same kind of thing. Then I went to a non-denominational church. This is my first non-denominational church. This was a semi word of faith church. Yeah. So I got, began to get my first experience with the, speaking to your sickness, that sort of thing. 
Well, once I went left there and came to Open Door, where I'm the pastor now, it's called Reality Church. Then I began to truly see Word of Faith. Right. Speaking to that sickness, speaking to that uh, prosperity, you got to you got to speak to it, you know, and 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 you command these things into existence, you know. And how'd that work out? Not too good. Um, <laughs> Word of Faith um, puts an emphasis on on two things wealth, prosperity, and healing. Um, two things that Jesus told us not to love. Don't love your life and don't store up treasures here, store up treasures in heaven. Wow. Um, of course, you know, uh, our listeners are probably very familiar with the, the big word of faith preachers, you know, Benny Hinn, uh, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Joyce Meyer, all of those people who are word of faith. Yeah. Um, and they have, uh, made their millions on the backs of the church by asking for a thousand dollar donations and all these other things, you know, it's, it's, and, and I got caught up in it in the word of faith movement began to command things to happen, began to speak to my sickness. I, I became a huge follower of Andrew Womack uh, oh. on healing. Healing was my main thing. Not so much prosperity as much healing, prosperity a little bit too, but I, my big thing was healing. I spoke to those things, spoke to him, spoke to him, spoke to him. And then uh, I, I saw word of faith begin to evolve into an NAR style that actually went further into hyper grace, yeah. which was antinomianism. And as I moved into that, it became even worse. You know, the, you know, we are perfect because God's made us perfect. Well, no, that's not true. He's his son was perfect. And in Christ, we are closed with the righteousness of God, but we are not perfect that we are equal with God as Christ was equal with God, that we are little Christ. We should call ourselves Jason Christ and Crosby Christ. No, 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 we are not the anointed one of God. We are sons and daughters, if we are in Christ, absolutely, but we are not gods. We're nothing like him. And how you can take a verse and just twist it, flip it, make it mean something totally different and something to of how you need to tithe money to give. Yeah. It's it's that seed uh, <clears throat> seed faith harvest style you know they've taken that seed time and harvest as meaning money they it's only money you have to plant the seed of money to harvest anything you know not just needless not just you know more money but anything and you know we we go into that hyper grace movement which goes even further tells us you know we no longer sin. We have sinless perfectionism now. Uh, we can do what we want, you know, and it always was in the back of my mind, you know, Satanists, the Satanists, the original Satanists, they're saying their mantra was do what you want, do what thou wilt. Yeah. And it was so similar to what we were saying with that hyper grace. And basically trying to, we always hated being told this, or at least I did. 
and someone said something about a license to send and I tried to look up or come back to that. Yeah, I don't need a license. <laughs> I'll do I'm it anyway. Do it. Already doing it before I got one. I sent it before I had a license. <laughs> yeah, I mean it and and honestly, it's true. It it was giving us the light, the feeling that it was okay. You know, we just do what we want. Jesus loves us anyway. He does love us, um, but he does not desire for us to be in a sinful lifestyle. He says, you know, Paul says, God forbid that we who are dead to sin would continue in it. You know, God forbid that. And that's where we were. You know, so, you know, that hyper grace was actually very difficult because of the control it put on your mind. It made you change the way you thought about yourself. It made you lift yourself up so high that in order to really get out of it, you had to realize how it had to begin to tear yourself down. Right. And you had to realize that God was higher. Well, I moved straight from that into a more modern growth focused movement, you know, the modern church, but I was still hyper grace. I was still word of faith. I was still speaking things into existence, you know, prosperity gospel, that sort of thing, you know, but I was still pushing. You were speaking, speaking for it, that I'm sure never came about. I mean, it doesn't, it just really doesn't, you know, and it was all about saying a positive thing. If you feel bad, don't say you feel bad. Right. Why? You want me to lie? (laughs) You want me to say I don't have a sinus infection right now? I got one. That's why I'm drinking Sprite like it's Sprite. I don't know. Um, <laughs> trying to kick kick enough uh, liquid in my throat to not lose my voice here with you. But um, it's just we go and we speak and we say and we be positive and we no negative talk and all this other mess and Man, God is the one who speaks things into existence, not us. He is the creator. You know, it's God who does that, not us. And yep. and as we look at how we feel about us, we had begun elevating ourselves up and bringing God down to we we're trying to be on the same level as God. And that's sin. That's, a, that's, that's the garden. That's what happened in the garden eat this fruit and you will be like God. He's just trying to keep you from being like him. Eat the fruit, you know, and and that's what we were doing. And then, you know, just like, you know, Aaron and the children of Israel, we built our golden calf and that was God. He was all love and nothing else. Yeah. We never saw him as holy. We never saw him as just, we never saw him as wrathful. We never saw him as hating anything, but if we were to understand his love, we got to understand that he does hate sin. If we were to understand his mercy, we have to understand his wrath. If we were to understand his love, we have to understand his holiness and his justice. I mean, these things are important. And in the word of faith, you know, hyper grace movement that we were in, we didn't look at that. You know, even in the modern church, we avoided it, you know. And as I began to study the scriptures myself is when I began to come out of that junk and be and understand, you know, hey, you know, God is God. I'm not. Uh, right. Psalm one fifteen three says that he is. He sits on his throne and he does as he pleases. So he makes the decisions. He's sovereign. He is God, and I'm not. 
Yeah, one yeah. thing, uh, going back to the mercy, I was listening to <clears throat> Todd Friel on uh, Witness Wednesday from last week and basically got into a conversation with a guy and how, you know, he's people are generally good. And but God is merciful. And I was like, well, how can God be merciful if there's no guilt? If you're just okay, you know, you're good. Mm-hmm. What what is God forgiving you of and being merciful to you of if you're a righteous person? If you're yeah. a good person. I even saw a comparison on Twitter I thought was very interesting. It said, um, you say one hand you say you're all a bunch of of racists and white supremacists and all this other than you say, but everybody is really good inside. It's like, you're saying two different things. Right. Either we're all, you know, we're all racist or we're all good. I mean, not, not, not the same thing. Racism is bad. Yeah. Yeah, so we can't be those th- two things can't be synonymous there. <laughs> you know, that's the total depravity of man. Every man is born in sin. Every man is sinful, and without Christ, we have no hope of redemption. Yeah. Um, and I think too, as I was in those movements, that's one thing that I began to pull away from is that that redemption that was in Christ, not in myself or my actions, not in the shout and the feeling, not in the, you know me elevating myself up to the level of Christ. It was not in any of that, you know, taking, you know, like the hyper grace movement does and picking out just a few verses and a few chapters. And we preach those over and over and over and over again, uh, as our proof text. Yeah. Instead of seeing all of scripture. So, you know, we've got to see scripture as it is and that's the truth. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my journey through those movements. And now I'm in uh, Reformed theology. I don't look at this as a movement. I look at this as biblical Christianity, you know? Right. I see the Bible as the authority, not me, not what a man says is revealed to him by this, that, or the other. Uh, scripture. God has revealed himself in Scripture. Right. I had a conversation with someone, and um, he, he said... Well, you know, everybody interprets the Bible different. It's different for everybody to some effect. Yeah. And I was like, it shouldn't be. No, it says the same <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It, it's got one meaning. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed to be. Not yeah. take this and say, okay, well, Jesus said be healed. So guess what? I'm healed. He said that to the guy he was healing. Right. <laughs> and Jesus you. and here's the thing, Jesus didn't heal everybody. That's what a lot that's a big thing in that word of faith. Jesus healed everybody he came in contact with. No read Mark. He did not. There was a time that a bunch of people came to him wanting healing after he had done some miracles and he went up to pray by himself and he came down and said, They're all looking for you to get healed and they left. And he didn't heal them. Right. He went to Nazareth. What happens? He didn't do many miracles. He does as he pleases. He does his will. And that's what we need to focus on his will, not what we want his will to be for us, but what it actually is. So yeah, speaking of wills, what was that one book that you had seen? Oh, 
Yeah. I can't, I cannot remember. I will for God or something like that. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Something like making God's will my will or something like that. Or his will or my will or something like that. It was something like that, but it basically was saying, you know, that we can turn God to do what we want, you know, or something like that. It's like, "Mm, no, 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 can't do that. His will is divinely sovereign and mine is uh, to be conformed to his. (laughs) Right. But yeah, so any other thoughts or questions you had on those fun times in the life of me? Um, no, but maybe if you have any anything maybe you want to say or any advice of people who may be in these sort of movements and how what you could say to them to help them. Yes, absolutely. First things first. No man is the authority. Okay, no man has the personal revelation of what is true. The revelation of what is true is in scripture. So if you're under a person in any movement that says that they understand that this is what it is, God is saying this, God's doing a new thing. This is God's will for your life. This is what you're supposed to do to be right with God. And it does not line up with scripture. You need to leave. Well, you need to turn away from that. And, you know, align with the scriptures. Uh, there's one way. Read the scriptures. You <laughs> right. need to study the scriptures. And that's my next point. You must have a relationship with the scriptures. You must know them. You must read them. I, I try to, I want to, we try to read in our, and me and you both trying to read the Bible in a year. That, yeah. Guess what's going to happen when the next year starts? Going to do it again. Until I know more. And then and I do outside study besides that Bible reading through a year. We need to study this word in order to know it. Right. Then we can see the faults and know the truth. You know, uh, Jesus in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So the truth only comes through the word of God and nothing else. Right. I think it was uh, Dr. Walton Martin. He talked about the uh, the banker. Yeah. How he, he sends people off to get trained and yeah. Yeah. Uh, money, the counterfeit yeah. money. Yeah. And it, and instead of giving them counterfeits, they give them only real and they can feel that over and over again. And then as soon as they are handed a fake immediately, they know it. I didn't even got to look at it. Mm-hmm. And that, that can relate to us reading our scriptures daily. Definitely. Or when something, when you hear something, you can know if it's aligned with scriptures. Absolutely. You can know if it's right or wrong. Yep. And if it's wrong, guess what you do? You chunk it. Yep. Get out, move, go. For those of you who feel like, how do I get out of this? <clears throat> it's all I've known. I'm going to tell you, it's painful. I know because I've gone through a year and a half of it. It is painful at times that you have to lay aside things. Um, there's preachers that I dearly loved. I thought were awesome. And then I, and now I hear them and I understand okay, this is false teaching. Yeah. This is, this is wrong teaching. Um, and, and, and now I look at that and I'm like, Oh my goodness, what do I, you know, you look at that and you're like, what do I do? You know, this, this is all I've known. Well, for every fake, 
there will be the real and you will find yourself. You will find a place for yourself. If you trust the scripture and you begin to reach out to those, like, like Garrett said at the beginning of the episode, reach out to us. If you need help with this stuff, you know, reach out. We want to talk with you. If we could help in any way, we want to help because you know, it's, it's important to surround yourself with a local body that is solid and knows yeah. the truth. Um, there's ways to find those kinds of churches. Uh, I have a network of friends that's a lot of different places that we can help you find a place to belong, but you don't have to stay there. Start listening to preachers like Vody Bauckham. If you start listening to Vody Bauckham, you're not going to miss Stephen Furtick. I promise you. Uh-huh. Listen to Paul Washer. You won't miss Joel Osteen. Listen to Steve Lawson and you won't miss uh, any of these people that you, you've seen, these preachers who preach the word of God and do it with passion. And it's not boring to hear the word of God preached truly. I promise you that. I, the best sermon I've ever heard was Vody Bauckham talking about what, why we should believe the Bible. And it's one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. One of the other ones is Paul, is Paul Washer talking about how to truly be saved. And it's amazing. So there's good scripture out there. There's good preaching out there and you can find it. Um, the key is, you know, get out of that error, turn, go a different direction. You can do it. Yeah. And, um, one thing I'm like to end on as far as me, if someone is claiming, well, God told me this more than likely he did. True. <laughs> if he, the only voice we hear of God is what's written in scripture. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit pushing us towards it. And, and, and and there are some, there are some well-meaning preachers who say God told me and they actually do mean they saw it in scripture and they felt that the Holy Spirit had led them there. And that's just poor wording to say, God told me when really they should say, we I saw in scripture it was revealed to me in scripture by the Holy Spirit. That's probably better wording. But like you said, when somebody comes to you and says, God told me this, for one thing, stop listening. Second thing, if you do measure it, measure it toward one standard, the word of God. There's no revelation outside of the word of God. No new revelation. There doesn't need to be because we he has revealed everything through his son Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. And uh, look, um, just so we make sure we get plenty of listens, Jesse, 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 Jesse. Okay. Y'all stop yeah. worrying about Jesse. Y'all, Y'all stop worrying about you. Start listening about the Word of God <laughs> from the King James Bible. <laughs> but anyway, well, all right, man. Anything else you want to add? That's it. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us on the next one. And until then, God bless you. If you love what you hear, like, subscribe, and give us a rating. Also, share this episode with your friends. Keep up with all that Small Town Pilgrims is doing on social media. Like us on Facebook at Small Town Pilgrims. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Small Town Pilgrims. What a coincidence that they're the same. Yeah. 
subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or suggestions, get your own podcast. (laughs) Or email us at smalltownpilgrims at gmail.com. And now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.